0: Very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. So they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. You have said so, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him. Of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, Are you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of? But Jesus made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Pilate saw that he wasn't getting anywhere and that a riot was developing. So he sent for a bowl of water and washed his hands before the crowd saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. Imagine what it would have been like to be there on that.
1: Well, that went much more poorly than I could have imagined. What happened? Did you convince them to rid you of this rabbi? No. And the worst part is this Jesus didn't even seem concerned. I thought this whole thing would be over once I sent him to Herod. After all, he didn't call himself the king of the Jews. I thought that would send Herod reeling with anger and resentment. But no. The coward, he sent him back to me. What is this? It will not come off. What are you talking about? The stuff on my hands. It will not wash away. I washed my hands before the crowd, ceremonially, to signify my resignation of the man's punishment. But I guess I must have bumped into something or touched something on the way back, because I cannot get this off. What is it? Well, I am certainly glad that you are no longer involved. It's just like my dream. I saw that you were to have nothing to do with this man, and you do not. Oh, but I am still involved. It was I who had him scourged. It is my men who will torture him and have him crucified. But did I want to? No. I wanted not to be even linked to the man. It was Caiaphas. Oh, that spawn of a dog he pushed for this. It was the temple leaders who wanted him dead. The priests. What does Rome care of Jesus? Well, it's over now. It's not over. It's never over. It's never over with these people. Have I not tried to show them love? Have I accommodated to their loathsome culture? Look at this accursed beard that I've grown just to appear to be one of them. I even offered to let Jesus go, as is their custom at Passover. But they cried out for Barabbas. Barabbas, the insurrectionist and murderer. The very rebel leader whose men I had slaughtered for entering their temple. What is this scourge that will not leave me? Husband, calm yourself. I am the face of Rome. I could have released him if I wanted. All I needed was the most simple of denials from him. But no, when I asked him, if are you the king of the Jews? He either sat in silence or answered in riddles. Now a murderous rebel is left wandering the countryside while I am painted as the despot who crucifies a humble teacher. What is this filth that infiltrates my soul?
0: This morning I'm going to talk about the germ that just won't go away. She had already walked four miles, but she had 17 to go. Blue lights flashed behind her, and she thought to herself, what now? The cop smiled, picked her up, and took her to Weigel's, one of our local gas convenience stores. He bought her a cup of coffee and called an Uber for her. That's where I arrived to pick her up. Before getting in, she looked at me warily then looked over at the kind police officer for reassurance. He nodded his head in approval and she got in my car. I must have looked sufficiently safe. It was 7 a.m. Heading to work? I asked. No. I just got out of jail after being in for five and a half months. I'm a convicted criminal. As the story emerged, she had just spent five and a half months in jail, and if jail wasn't enough, she was separated by other inmates due to the COVID-19. She had gotten out the night before, but she had no one to pick her up. So she spent the night on a chair in the lobby of the jail, and in the morning she headed out for a 20-mile hike to a relative's house that didn't even know she was coming she was a convicted criminal she had it the germ that just won't come off the germ i'm talking about is so evasive that finally it defines us and these days we've heard way more about infectious diseases than we ever wanted to know most afternoons we sit in front of our televisions and watch Dr. Anthony Fauci and Dr. Deborah Burks. and if you're like me, I'm riveted. I love hearing both of them speak. I love Dr. Fauci's intense, raspy, Eastern accent, but 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 he speaks with such authority and such knowledge that that I want to hang on every word he says because all of us want to escape this this virus that's going around. And then Dr. Birx, I, I'm always amazed by the charts that she shows and 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 even when she's giving bad news i i I feel a sense of hope because she's she's kind of giving it to us as it is and and i feel the reassurance that we're in good hands because we've got some people that know what they're doing now i'm no expert in in uh, the coronavirus but there is a virus that i've spent my whole life studying i'm not the world leading expert but i know about it both from personal study and personal experience. So this morning I'm not Dr. Fauci, but if I could be Dr. Phil to you and somewhat of an expert in this field at the outset, I want to share with you that before I get into the virus, I want you to know that there's good news and the good news is the virus that I'm talking about, there is a cure. Like COVID-19, it's a pandemic, it's worldwide. Experts say that eventually COVID-19 might affect 60% of us when it when it when it takes its full course. But the pandemic I'm talking about is even more widespread than that. It's has a 100 percent infection rate. Like COVID-19, it's lethal. The most dire predictions are that, that, that COVID-19 may be as high as a 2% death rate but the virus i'm talking about has a hundred percent lethality rate like covid 19 is highly contagious and in fact experts in this field say that it's passed on to us from birth i'm not talking about a physical virus of course i'm talking about something spiritual and we all know what i'm talking about i'm talking about sin Every major religion acknowledges it. One of the early fathers of Christianity put it bluntly. He put it this way in Romans six twenty-three or 3.23. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's that pervasive that, that all of us have been infected with this virus. Even, even before it manifests itself in symptoms, we are born, theologians say, as carriers of this disease. The doctrine of original sin. We're born in sin, the scripture says, and shaped in iniquity. We're sinners. We're not sinners just because we manifest the symptoms and we can list particular sins. But, but we're not sinners because we sin. But the reason that we sin is because we are in fact sinners. We're infected, if you will. Those things that we call sins are actually symptoms of the deeper disease that same founder Paul said that about the lethality that the wages of sin is is death and I mentioned that every major religion has an understanding of this and, and 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 almost every religion spells the cure with two words or two letters do do There' are certain things that if I do them that's what they would prescribe as the as the remedy for this for this ailment in, in Islam they they have the four pillars, the, the profession of faith, the prayers, the alms, the fasting, and the pilgrimage that every, every, every Muslim uh, believer um, is encouraged to do is a way, and, and I'm not putting down any of this because, because, because listed on their own, any of those can be, can be helpful. Certainly giving is helpful and prayers are helpful and a profession of faith and the one God is helpful and fasting is helpful and taking pilgrimages can certainly be good for our spiritual life. But if I could just be an expert in the field today, let me say this about those remedies. While all of them have some relieving help, none of them are the cure. In Buddhism, the threefold path to God is morality and meditation and wisdom. All of these are excellent for treating the virus. But this morning I came to tell you it's not the cure. Hindus believe in works and knowledge and devotion. This is where we get the concept of karma, what goes around comes around. And there's certainly some truth in that. Even in Christianity, one of our scriptures says, you reap what you sow. And while there's truth in that, I I came to tell you this morning that the, the good works as as many good works as you do and you can't counterbalance the the pervasiveness of the disease that's latent inside of us. Judaism uh, has their 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 way is to to keep the law and live. and when you sin to make sacrifices. I have great respect for Judaism. Judaic law is at the foundation of much of our understanding of law today. And interestingly enough, in Psalms, uh, they put it this way, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust an idol or swear by a false god. Isn't it interesting that that that, that it's compared to cleaning your hands, getting rid of this. Now, now as I listen to Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks and there, there there's some, some various opinions on whether wearing face masks, should we or shouldn't we? The, the debate's going on right now. What everyone agrees on is we've got to wash our hands. we got to be clean. You saw the skit this morning where Pilate is washing his hands, and in the skit we had him compulsively washing his hands. By the way, that's one of the symptoms of OCD, people that continually wash their hands and and sometimes it's because of a fear of germs but psychologists also tell us that at a deeper level there's an attempt to 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 morally cleanse ourselves. and no matter how much washing we do no matter how much disinfectant we use that we can't fully get clean. Now Christianity is is really not just another religion it's it's more of a way of life. And and as I was thinking about this sin virus, not just from an academic perspective, but from my own life, and, and not just thinking about the virus that lays latent within me, but, but actually thinking about some of the manifestations of the virus, some of my own sins, if you will, I became very discouraged by Things that I had done, the Apostle Paul put it this way, the things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I end up doing those, and there's, there's something inside of me that's so broken, I just can't seem to get it right. And he says, what a wretched man I am. And I was, I was on a retreat, it was more than a decade ago, it was with a, with a, um, uh, a philosopher and theologian by the name of Dallas Willard. And on this retreat, we um, spent one day of uh, in silence we were to to fast from talking and and Dr. Willard, when he was telling us about this, said, "Now during your fast you're going to you're going to become aware that you have a soul, and I want you to write down what happens and think about what happens during this twenty four hours and then after the fast is over, each of you are going to get a, a half hour session with me that you can." Talk to me personally about anything that you want to, anything that happened during that time. When I was on my my fast, we were in California, and there was a mountain right behind the monastery that we were staying. And on the fast, I I decided to to take some time and enjoy nature and climb up this mountain. It was very climbable. But I was climbing the mountain, and there were some girls in our class that... uh, that were also climbing and they, while I was climbing and working pretty hard, they were scampering by me. I mean, they were in good shape and I was huffing and puffing and and, uh, you know, what I thought at the bottom of the mountain looked very doable, the higher I got and the thinner that the air got. I started thinking to myself, my goodness, I'm not gonna make it up to the top of this mountain. I don't have enough water with me. And I was so discouraged. I got about three quarters of the way up people running up in front of me and running down the other side. And, and I thought, you know, I just kind of got panicky and I went down the mountain and I felt like a failure. And I remember going to bed that night. And while I was sleeping in my dream, I I started up that mountain again. And, and in my dream, I was carrying a carcass. And I I remember the, 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 the Jewish remedy that if I make sacrifices for my sins, that that, that somehow this can take away my sin. And I, I remember trying to drag that carcass up the mountain and I couldn't make it to the top and it was bloody and, uh, and people were running past me again and I felt like such a failure and I woke up with a cold sweat. And, and then in that time after the, the fast was over and we got to talk to, to Dr. Willard, I decided to tell him my dream. So I told him about that dream and what had happened. And and Dr. Willard very wisely said, the carcass in your dream, he interpreted the dream for me. He said, the carcass in your dream is regret. He said, there's some things that you've done that you just regret. And and, and you're carrying that around with you, he said, but but if you leave this place, you're going to... You're going to leave newly empowered and you're going to go back to the work of the Lord and it's not like you're going to forget that any of those things happened, but, but God has taken care of it and God has forgiven you and he prayed over me and, 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 uh, and, and I went home from that experience. Christianity is spelled differently than other religions that spell it D-O-N-E or, or D O. Christianity spells the remedy D-O-N-E, done. What we believe as Christians, and, and I want to say on this Passion Sunday, is that Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And the good news that I came to tell you today, is that even though there's nothing that we can do, there's no good works, there's no sacrifices, there's no meditation, and all of those things are good. We believe in prayer, we believe in meditation, we believe in all of those things, in giving and all of those things. But if we're honest, no matter how much we do, there's still that sense that there's nothing that we can do to be enough to be pleasing to a holy God the good news that I came to share with you on this Passion Sunday. And the reason that Jesus did not respond to Pilate when he told him to speak up for himself is because Jesus took our sins for us. The big theological word for it is substitutionary atonement. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And when he went to the cross for us. The scripture says that our transgressions were laid on him and he forgave us. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. The good news, folks, today is that Jesus took that germ. Jesus took that virus. Jesus took the lethality of that disease and he died for us so that we could live forever. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so my rider said to me, I'm a convicted criminal. And it must have been one of those moments that the Holy Spirit gave the utterance. I looked in my rearview mirror and I said, that's not your name. You're a child of God. You are dearly loved by him. She cried and she told me that in jail... She went to church every Tuesday night. She went through Celebrate Recovery. and She told me about one night in Bible study while listening to a song being overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. And she said it was better than any high I'd ever experienced. She told me how that she had planned to walk 20 miles to her aunt's house that didn't know she was coming until the nice police officer gave her a ride to Weigel's, bought her a cup of coffee, and ordered her an Uber. And I reminded her that her past did not define her, but that she was good and holy and pure. And Jesus had taken her disease for her. As we drove along, we passed a mess of dilapidated trailers We turned down a long gravel drive, avoiding potholes and puddles along the way. And at the end of the drive was her destination, a dark trailer occupied by relatives who didn't know she was coming. I swallowed a lump in my throat because I knew why God had chosen me to be her Uber driver that day. I had to drive so that this child of God would know that the encounter with the Holy Spirit The celebrate recovery classes, the kind cop, and the Uber ride from a preacher were no coincidence. She needed to know that the dark trailer at the end of that drive was not a dead end, but a new beginning. And today, God sent me into your living room to tell you that the disease has been cured and that this cross, is not a dead end for you, but it's a new beginning.